Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Season 1, Episode 3 of Adults Adopting Adults. The episode opens in Vegas with the fallout when Kim revealed to her mom that Vicky and Joe would be adult adopting her. Valerie, Kim's first adopted mom, is curled up in bed, sobbing hysterically as Kim goes to talk to her. Kim tells her mom she isn't trying to hurt her, and Valerie says she hates Vicky and Joe for taking Kim away from her. She says they can share grandkids, but they're not going to take her daughter away. She's deeply hurt, and Kim explains to her mom that they had not talked in eight years when Kim began thinking about the process of adult adoption. Valerie says this was an ambush, that Kim knew about the adult adoption before sending her mom the plane ticket to visit. Kim's mom says the only reason Kim wanted her to visit was to tell her about the adult adoption. She says it was so important she meet Joe and Vicky, Kim's new potential adopted parents, and it was very important for her to like them because of this adult adoption. Valerie says she can't do it. Kim says the process started before she knew they would reconcile. Valerie asks Kim to put a stop to the adoption. She thinks the kids will feel she is no longer their grandmother after Vicky and Joe take over. Kim insists that Valerie will still be considered their grandmother. Valerie asks, how when I'm not your mom? Kim insists she still will be her mom and Valerie says, no, she won't be her mom because Kim is getting adopted by Joe and Vicky, so it makes Kim no longer hers and no longer her daughter. Kim tells Valerie she will always consider her to be her mother regardless of the adult adoption. Valerie asks why Kim is doing this. Kim says she wanted grandparents for her kids. Valerie says they have grandparents, and Kim says no, they didn't. What Kim wants is for her kids to have grandparents that are super invested and loving and supportive and very involved in her kids' lives and in her lives and for all of them to have really good, healthy, loving relationships. And I think she knows that her mom, Valerie, can't provide that. Valerie says when they fought eight years ago causing the estrangement, she asked Kim about the kids having grandparents, and Kim told her they don't need you. They have Joe, her husband's parents, for grandparents. Valerie asks how Kim thinks that made her feel. Kim says that Joe's parents didn't step in. She had nobody. She was alone. Valerie says Kim told her she doesn't need her and her family doesn't need her. Valerie wanted to be more involved, but she says Kim told her never to call her, and Kim says Valerie could have reached out, and it doesn't matter if she said never to call in anger. She probably didn't mean it literally. Valerie says she wanted to respect Kim's wishes because Kim was so angry. Kim says her mom was not trying to respect her wishes, that her mom was being too proud and too stubborn to contact her first. Valerie says that's a lie. Kim says they stopped talking because Kim told her mom she was upset that she was taking credit for how Kim turned out. Then Valerie told Kim that she was glad her dad was dead so that he couldn't see how selfish and ungrateful Kim still is. I get an inkling that the dad was abusive and controlling of the kids and maybe even of Valerie. And then Valerie maybe took it out on the kids and she probably didn't step in to nurture and protect her kids. 
From what I'm seeing after Kim revealed what the fight was about, I'm thinking it's possible Valerie was controlling and abusive, and she also may have a bit of narcissistic tendencies, and narcissistic mothers can be very cruel to their kids. Very cruel. They can say very, very cruel things, make their kids feel less than, not good enough, and they can be very cold. And I'm not sure, but it's possible that it happened here. And this is just my opinion and my perspective. It, I, I, it's just an opinion. I think that the paper, the adoption paper, is unnecessary, at least for me it would be, but I think it may be very important for Kim to have, and it's hurtful to the mom, But may, and maybe it's unnecessary in practical terms. It wouldn't really change the landscape of the relationships between Kim and Joe and Vicky and the grandkids, but I think that she's very tired of all the resentment and adult adoption might make her feel free of her childhood or heal some of those wounds, so I mean... Now I can kind of understand why she wants this so much. Valerie says she isn't saying she did not hurt Kim, but she felt Kim just forgot about her and moved on, and that's why she didn't call. In my experience, if a person wants to invest, they will, even if it's hard, even if they have to be vulnerable and take accountability. It's not easy, but when a person wants to do the right thing and they want that relationship, they will. Valerie says she didn't always do the best or do things right, but it was the best she could do at the time. And Kim will always be her daughter, and she has never told Kim she wasn't her daughter. She understands she hurt Kim, but she doesn't think Kim knows how much she hurt her. Kim says her mom's emotions are logical given the situation, and she understands her mom feels hurt and like she is being replaced. Kim wants to make her mom feel better, so she isn't sure she'll go through with the adoption because she wasn't expecting such a big reaction from her mom. I was expecting it, and I understand Kim doesn't want to hurt her mom, but I don't think the adoption paper would be um, necessary for me. But if Kim really, really wants this in her heart, which I believe she does, and it matters to her this much, and it means something to her, I think it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, including her mom, and she should go and get the paper. Her mother shouldn't prevent her from getting what she, what her heart wants at all. Kim's mom is already processing the emotion, so actually getting the paper won't remove that anyways. I mean, it's already done. Kim thinks she should reconsider the adoption and be sure she is positive she wants to go through with it. Valerie asks Kim to consider not going through with the adult adoption. Next up, we move to Broome, New York with adoptee Bianca and the adopters, Derek and Carol. Derek says before Bianca entered the picture, he wasn't happy. He complained daily. Carol says Bianca saved their marriage. Carol says starting the adoption process is huge because it's a rebirth and a new beginning for all of them. They go to meet their lawyer to start the adult adoption. Bianca says she wants to be adopted because she wants stability. She wants a place to call home. Bianca's dad will be notified about the adoption, her bio dad, and he has a right to go to court and bring evidence as to why or why not this adoption would be in Bianca's best interest, but because Bianca is an adult, his consent isn't required to complete the adoption. Bianca knows her bio dad will be disappointed and hurt, so it is hard for her. Her dad wasn't a deadbeat dad, and she really wants to be clear about that, but he didn't necessarily give Bianca all the support and tools she needed to be successful in life. Bianca talks about how her grandma she was staying with passed away and then she aged out of the foster care system and she lost her apartment where she was living and her dad wasn't there for her. He couldn't be her emotional support and she really needed emotional support and she wanted support very bad from her dad and it hurt her very much that her dad couldn't give her that support. Bianca says 
Her dad has a right to try and contest the adult adoption, but if it wasn't for Derek and Carol, she doesn't know how she would survive and how she would make sure she had enough money to survive and to feel secure. Bianca is scared of legally losing her biological family. It turns out that upon the adoption, she will get a new birth certificate with Derek and Carol listed as her mom and dad, and her mom is deceased, and she knows her dad is proud to be her dad. So she feels like that's a big change, and she really doesn't want to take that away from her dad. The adoption petition would terminate Bianca's rights of inheritance from her biological parents, but Bianca would then become the legal heir to Derek and Carol's estate once the adoption is finalized. It means that Carol's stepdaughter won't have rights to their estate. Derek is comfortable with Bianca being the heir. Carol says it gives Bianca a sense of security and a sense of family. Carol says this process will seal the deal because you can't divorce your kids. Back to Ohio with Danny and Christy and Ileana. Danny has been chronicling his adult adoption process on social media for months. He introduces everyone on social media to his new adopted daughter, Ileana. Christy is in her van crying during all this. She's incredibly unhappy and not in a good place. She says it's been two weeks and there's a stranger living in her house. Christy says people ask her husband how she feels, and he says that Christy is taking it really well, all things considered. And they ask, what does he mean by all things consider? And he responds, considering I've been unfaithful to my wife. Not unfaithful just once, but chronically unfaithful over and over and over again. And he just moved a 20-year-old into his home. He thinks that Christy is taking it all very well. Juxtaposed in between the scenes of Christy crying in the van are scenes of Danny smiling wide, walking on sunshine, talking about how he gets to be a grandfather soon, and posting on social media how happy he is. Christy says the limits of her generosity are being stretched to the max. She's in tears, and we cut to Dave posting streams on social media saying he's so happy, he loves Ileana to death, she's such a great person. Danny says Ileana provides Christy and him with fun and, and entertainment, and she's amazing. Meanwhile, Christy is crying alone in her van, saying Danny has bitten off more than he can chew, and she's stuck chewing on Danny's behalf, and she isn't hungry. Basically, Danny insisted on bringing Ileana over against his wife's wishes. He may fund Ileana's existence and bills, but other than that, he is completely uninvolved. He expects Christy, who didn't want Ileana at all, to be left with all the heavy lifting and chauffeuring and scheduling, and Danny just hangs out with Ileana and live streams to social media of how happy they all are together as one big family, how amazing Ileana is, how much fun Christy and him are having. He's gone most of the time working and trucking, and Ileana has a high-risk pregnancy, and she also makes demands for remodeling her trailer, etc. And Christy, who didn't agree to any of this, or want this at all, is left doing all the heavy lifting and hard work and effort while Danny just enjoys the fun times with Ileana and all the image he portrays on social media that they are all perfect and happy and he might be walking on sunshine, but as he's bragging about how great his life is, he has no clue that, uh, that his wife, Christy, is crying in the van saying she can't do this, it's too hard, she's stretched too thin. She knows Danny does a nice facade and the social media, and he portrays a rosy picture, and he feels rosy. He gets the relationship with Ileana and a grandson, and just the fun parts, because he's away at work while Chrissy does all the heavy lifting and all the hard work, knowing Danny can't handle it. And now there's a vulnerable, pregnant 20-year-old with a high-risk pregnancy. With nowhere to go and no one to turn to, 
And Chrissy knows if she doesn't help Ileana, Danny won't do the heavy lifting and Ileana will be stuck in a country she doesn't know with people she doesn't know. So Chrissy takes on these unwanted burdens while sacrificing her happiness and health and well-being and self-worth and no one notices all she does or appreciates it. No one realizes she holds up the sky and without her, the sky would fall. No one notices her feelings or sees her or acknowledges her like she's less than. And it's really, really, really difficult to watch. It's hard to watch. She deserves to put herself first and free herself. She gets nothing from Danny or Ileana other than pain and suffering and stress and frustration. I sincerely hope she frees herself. She'd be happier alone making herself her own priority. Next up, we are in fancy Beverly Hills with Prince Frederick who used to be married to Zsa Gabor, who was a famous actress. Frederick is a German prince, and he lives in the U.S., and he wants to adopt a son. The daughter, he was adopted by the daughter-in-law of the last emperor of Germany, Princess Marie August, adopted him. And when he was adopted, he became a prince, and people looked up to him, and he liked that. When his wife, Zsa Gabor, passed away, he started thinking about adoption to pass on the family trust. The Gabor Trust has to be run by a family member. So when Frederick passes, if he has no heir, the trust will be dissolved and it will just go to the city of Los Angeles. There is a a time crunch to adopt someone because he is almost 80. Isaac is Frederick's friend and he says Frederick is stubborn and won't be told what to do. Isaac wants to know why it is so necessary for Frederick to adopt because they can hire someone to handle the trust. Frederick says it was Zaza Gabor's wish that they adopt. Isaac asks what characteristics Frederick is looking for when adopting. Frederick says maybe someone in the music business. Isaac says that Frederick is eccentric and he views himself as Hollywood elite, but in reality, he isn't Hollywood at all. Isaac says that he's worried someone will use Frederick for his money or for his title. Frederick has adopted before five different times. He adopted adult sons and they all turned out bad. Frederick says it was a mistake and he no longer has a relationship with any of the five adult sons he adopted. They only were interested in the title and nothing else and after the adoption they started being rude. The producer asks Frederick if any of those previous five adopted adult sons paid for the title of prince and he said you could say yes or no but he says those sons spoiled him, let's put it that way. He got a lot of money out of it in the end he says. Isaac wants to know how Frederick will guarantee the new adopted son won't end up like the rest. Frederick says it's hard. You can't read their minds to really know. Frederick says this time around, adopting is different. It isn't about money. Frederick says he understands that Isaac is a true friend who cares, but he insists on doing this and he could die anytime and there is no heir and it concerns him. He feels rushed because he is getting old and he doesn't want to have no heir and have the city of LA take all of the trust money. Isaac will help Frederick find someone. On to Vegas with Kim and Vicky and Joe. Kim feels apprehensive about her mom being there because telling her mom about the adoption yesterday didn't go well. Valerie says she never heard this bad before. She's really, really, really milking it. Kim said Valerie didn't say good morning back to her. Valerie says she didn't hear her and Valerie accuses Kim of hiding upstairs. I think that there's a lot of resentment on both sides. Valerie says she does not know how she will get through this. She felt she had her daughter back, and then Kim told her she wants someone else to adopt her, even as an adult, which stings even worse. Joe says Kim isn't usually defensive, where she won't fight back, so he notices this in his wife, so he goes to them while they're speaking to defend his wife. 
Joe is an incredibly, incredibly supportive husband. He has Kim's back and he supports her. And I think it's really, really, really amazing and really commendable. Kim asks her mom if she understands why she wants the adoption. Her mom is full of resentment. She asks, did you want me to jump up and say this is great? Joe, Kim's husband, steps in and tells Valerie that she has been, that Kim, his wife, has been terrified of telling her about the adoption. Valerie says there's been a lot Kim has been terrified to tell her and she had to find out in other ways. I feel like she wants to make her daughter look like the bad guy and paint herself as a victim. Valerie says she is hurt and Kim doesn't need an adult adoption for Vicky and Joe to be grandparents to the children. She says she is willing to share the grandkids but not Kim because Kim is her daughter and she chose Kim as her daughter. Kim says she is sick of that story. Kim says her first set of adoptive parents didn't treat her like she was wanted. And I can really understand what it feels like to be made to feel unwanted or like a burden and to be treated as such. It's very painful and it causes a lot of hurt and it causes a lot of issues with self-worth. So it's very, very, very difficult to go through. And I can't imagine how Kim feels. And now I'm really understanding her deep need for this adoption more and more. In my opinion, I think the mom may have been controlling and she may have constantly behaved as though she was doing Kim such a huge favor by saving her or adopting her and that she should feel grateful and it probably made Kim feel really unwanted and less than and that sucks and that's really hard and seeing the mom's pattern of behavior I really feel as though she enjoys manipulation and control and if Kim endured that as an adopted child I can't even begin to imagine how lonely and painful that must feel. We learned Valerie used to always tell Kim that she chose her that she should be grateful that Val adopted her, and she was yelled at all the time. Valerie tells Kim she would tell her she should be thankful she wasn't in the orphanage anymore, that she now had a home and a family because she chose Kim as her daughter. I feel almost as though Valerie adopted Kim and constantly reminded her, without me, you'd be nothing. You'd be an orphan stuck in an orphanage. You have everything because of me. As if Kim owes Valerie or deserves to be yelled at or controlled because of Valerie adopting her. In my opinion, Valerie definitely has narcissistic tendencies. I don't think she sees Kim as an equal. I think she made Kim feel like she was in debt to her for being adopted, for saving her from squalor. And imagine that pressure on a kid. I doubt Valerie loved Kim unconditionally as a mother should love their daughter. I strongly feel Valerie was controlling and everything was a power thing and love was very conditional. It's just my speculation, but Kim says many times her mom told her growing up that she should be grateful that she was adopted by her. She also told Kim no one else would have wanted her because she was older. Valerie denies saying that no one would want her because she was older and Valerie can no longer look Kim in the eye, but she says she never said the part about no one wanting her. And Kim insists that she said it many times. And I don't doubt that Kim was told many times that she's lucky she was adopted because she was older. No one would want her. I have no doubt that that happened. With narcissistic mothers, they will say incredibly cruel things and they will be abusive. They won't protect you when they should. There's all kinds of emotional, physical, and verbal abuse and all types of trying to control all kinds of manipulation and conditional love but if you confront them about specific incidents they will deny and refuse to acknowledge it even happened or label it the past and they will never take accountability they will never apologize they will never realize the hurt or suffering they have caused you and they will never acknowledge it 
They only have the, the ability to see their own wants and needs driven by ego. And if you don't see them as wonderfully as they see themselves and you question or deviate from the script of what they want to hear, they aren't able to acknowledge anything. They don't have empathy or compassion or the ability to even acknowledge the pain. And that's why Kim can't move past it. They really, narcissistic mothers or people with narcissistic tendencies lack emotional intelligence and self-awareness, but in their mind, they truly believe they're the smartest person in the room. And Kim says her mom won't even acknowledge any of the things she did, and that's why Kim can't move past it. I understand completely if there is no acknowledgement of her mother's actions and no understanding from her mom of how it affected Kim Kim can't just move on because she knows her mom doesn't understand the damage she inflicted and she isn't willing to even acknowledge what she did wrong. I know how this feels and I feel for Kim. Now I understand exactly why she wants the adoption. The mom says she can't remember all of these things Kim seems to think she did. Narcissistic mothers will claim amnesia or claim it's in the past. Can't you just let it go? They are unwilling to acknowledge it and apologize and show they understand the hurt that they caused. Valerie tells Kim that Kim knows their dynamic, the dynamic between them, and that Kim knows what she did, and she would know how Valerie reacts. And Valerie says that the past is all water under the bridge. She wants to dismiss her bad behavior and the pain it inflicted on Kim by deflecting on her, trying to turn it around on her, and saying it was over long ago. But the thing is, it's not over for Kim. Kim carries it every day and I'm sure it hurt her and it affected her and it can't ever be done for Kim unless her mom can admit her mistakes. Take accountability and ownership of them and express how her mistakes affected Kim negatively, how it hurt Kim. These scars may heal over, but they remain and now I understand completely Kim wanting the paper and Kim cutting off her mom. I hope one day Kim gets the resolution that she needs and the accountability from Valerie, but I don't think Valerie will ever give it and it makes me understand Kim and I really feel sad watching this because I 100% can understand. Kim's husband steps in and asks, is it? Meaning, is it water under the bridge? Regarding Valerie saying it's water under the bridge. Valerie assumes he's speaking to her. Valerie answers, for me it is. Joe, her husband, goes, no, I'm asking her, meaning he's asking Kim, his wife. I love, love, love how Joe stands up for Kim. It's amazing. It's really wonderful. Joe says if Kim doesn't go through with the adoption, Kim will resent her mom for it even more. Joe ends the conversation. He says the conversation has gone as far as it can go for now. He tells Kim's mom that her flight is coming up and she should get going. That was the classiest way of telling someone, I want you out of my house. Kim says she doesn't know how things will turn out with her mom. She's angry, and she thinks they might stop talking again. Back to Ohio, Christy is meeting her friend for lunch, and she says her friends aren't concerned with Ileana as a person, but they are concerned about Danny and why he would incorporate another person into their family. All of Christy's friends have told her Danny doesn't care about her feelings, and he is out to hurt her again. They ask why he would do that, and Christy can't answer why he would behave this way. Christy tells her friend she's trying to have a normal existence with a 20-year-old pregnant stranger in her house. And her friend says it blows her mind. Mine, too. Christy says she's feeling challenged. She told Danny they aren't in a good position to bring someone else into their lives. They already struggle together as it is without any added additions or stress. She told Danny it isn't fair to bring someone else into their situation. 
Her friend responds that it doesn't matter to Danny. Bingo. Chrissy tells her friend she left Danny for a while. She says Danny refers to himself as a chronic cheater. He is so ugly and disgusting. He doesn't have a good body or personality. He doesn't seem that intelligent. Who is he cheating with? One can only imagine. I wonder if he has to pay for it, honestly. This is unbelievable. Danny has cheated on Christy multiple times. Christy is embarrassed about what she deals with. She says it's tough. Her friend says most women wouldn't put up with it. Christy, we find out she left Danny for six months and her friend asks her if she felt better during the time that she left. She says she felt better about herself, but then she listened to promises Danny made her. Her friend asks if Danny kept those promises and she says no. No surprise there. These kind of abusive narcissist type of people, they will promise, they will make a mistake. They will do any type of abuse. They will apologize to you, promise you the world and the moon. They will change for a little while and then they will go back to their old patterns. Christy says when she came back to Danny after the six month separation, she decided to continue their marriage and for a couple years, things were really good and then he became unfaithful. She's in tears at this point of the lunch. Christy says what has kept her there until the present is hope for the potential change, but her tolerance has gone to zero. Christy's friend asks Christy if she has thought about leaving again. She says yes, she is definitely thinking about leaving Danny. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is amazing news. Christy says their marriage isn't strong enough to support the current situation and you can work on the marriage or not. She is considering walking out the door and leaving her husband, but she is struggling with abandoning Ileana who is pregnant and she's 20 years old and she's depending on her and she has absolutely no one if Christy leaves. And she also has a high-risk pregnancy. Christy has some little bit of hope that the guy that wanted her back when she left will come back and say, remember what I promised you, we will live that. But she thinks that is just false hope. Yes, that's false hope. Back to Broome, New York. It's Carol's birthday and she is celebrating with Derek and Bianca. Carol says she wishes her stepdaughter could be there on that special day that is the beginning of the adoption process, as well as her birthday. But her stepdaughter has cut off all communication with Carol because of the adult adoption of Bianca. Derek called Carol's stepdaughter to try and fix things, but the stepdaughter feels very intensely about the adoption, and it upset Derek, and he didn't anticipate how much it affected the stepdaughter. It kept him up at night because the stepdaughter cutting communication over the adoption is causing a lot of harm and pain to his wife. Carol tried speaking to her stepdaughter, but her stepdaughter is uncomfortable with another daughter coming in and getting her stepmom's attention that she feels she never got. Also, the stepdaughter's dad who was Carol's first husband, had an affair with a female student that Carol brought into her house. And the stepdaughter knew that her dad was having an affair with this student that Carol was trying to help by bringing her into the home. And it upsets her very deeply and it upsets her that Carol would bring someone else into her new marriage, into her home, uh, just as an adoption. Bianca doesn't want to cause rifts in the family. She wants to be an addition and Derek tells her, you are an addition. There's no me without you. Carol says she won't abandon her stepdaughter, but she doesn't ever want Bianca to second guess their relationship and what she means to her or why she's a part of the family. Bianca doesn't know about the situation with her first husband and the student she brought into the home and how the first husband ended up having an affair with that student. It's hard not to be transparent with Bianca, so she wants to have the conversation with her. 
And Bianca is aware that she isn't the cause of the friction between Carol and her stepdaughter. She says she knows there is more to the rift between the stepdaughter and Carol. Back to Beverly Hills, Isaac and Frederick are looking at profiles of potential adoptees. Frederick wants the person he adopts to be young and smart with a good job. He wants them to be military style, sporty, and not a total idiot. Isaac says Frederick is eccentric and the process of finding an adoptee might be difficult because of his personality and the way he interacts. Isaac says whoever he selects will have to upend their life and career and dedicate themselves solely to Frederick. Frederick doesn't like the idea of looking at profiles online to find a potential heirs. He says that all those social media things are fake and photoshopped and he wants someone with a tie on, someone in the street. He wants to meet people without saying who he is or what his title is. He wants to observe how they look and how they behave and maybe go to coffee with them. Frederick suggests he could meet good guys at the Gucci store. Isaac warns Frederick that he has to be careful. Back to Vegas, Vicky is visiting Kim and she brings her roses. I thought it was very sweet. Kim says her bond with Vicky is special and a bond she never had with her mom that she wishes that she would have had. Vicky wants to know how things went and how Valerie reacted to the adult adoption news. She's nervous for Kim because it could be a bad experience, but she wants to know. Kim says it didn't go well. They aren't talking right now. And Vicky says she was worried about that. Kim reached out but got no response from her mom, so she hasn't spoken to her since she left. Kim says it could turn into another years-long estrangement, especially if she proceeds with the adoption and her mom is angry about it. Kim tells Vicky that her mom accused them of stealing her, that her mom told her not to go through with the adoption. Kim says if doing the adoption will hurt her mom this much, part of her from childhood that wants to please her mom considers not proceeding with the adoption because then her mom will be happy but there's another part of her that tells herself it's not about what her mom wants she's an adult now vicky says she wants to adopt kim but it isn't her call vicky tells kim she's nervous that kim seems torn vicky says kim doesn't want to hurt her mom but there's a part of her that wants kim to tell her mom she has made the decision to proceed kim says she doesn't want to hurt vicky and joe either vicky says they still want the adoption so Kim is going to meet with an attorney and decide what to do from there. She seems really unsure of how she wants to proceed. Vicky is crying and she says it's ridiculous and that scene cuts off so we don't see what direction it goes. It kind of sounds like she might be a little hostile, but I'm not sure yet in what direction that's going to go. Back to Ohio, Danny is cutting watermelon for his wife the first time he's done a thing for her on camera. He says he got home yesterday afternoon. Chrissy said it was a challenging evening the night before because the doctor felt... She might have, Ileana might have to have a C-section right then. The doctors have warned Ileana the baby is coming earlier than they had hoped. And there could even, I'm guessing, be complications with that. I hope not. Christy has been the one chauffeuring Ileana to her weekly appointments because of the high-risk pregnancy. Danny asks what else he needs to know, and Christy says she met up with her friend and she mentioned how stressful this is for her. Danny says he disagrees with that, that Ileana has only been there a couple weeks. Christy says it's not her. It's Danny bringing her when he is always gone and she has to handle Ileana. Danny expects Christy to do everything with Ileana alone while he's away most of the time. Christy isn't okay with doing that always. Danny says he can't quit his job. Christy asks him to look for a local job so he's home to help participate in the daily stuff with Ileana. After all, he's the one that wanted her there. She didn't want him there, so it should be his burden, not hers. Danny says if she has the baby, he'll take some days off. 
Chrissy says if he doesn't work, they won't have money. Danny says he'll dial it back and sacrifice for Ileana. Chrissy asks, don't you think we are already sacrificing? She asks how much money he gave Ileana before she even got to the U.S. And he said, only $3,000. Chrissy says they've spent four times that amount since she arrived. She says it sounds like her whole retirement has been sacrificed for Ileana. Danny tells her it's only money and they will have the retirement fund right back where it needs to be. Chrissy asks how he can say that because it's not just them as a couple anymore, but them and Ileana and a newborn baby. Danny responds that it's all worthwhile because Chrissy asks Danny, and Chrissy asks Danny, do you hear yourself? Can you hear what you're saying? Chrissy says Danny wants the relationship so badly with Ileana, but how much he wants it and what he is willing to do to get it, she has a huge problem with that. I mean, I can't believe they're spending their retirement savings on this stuff. Chrissy says she is doing all she can to support what Danny wants. Danny says, I appreciate that. Chrissy responds, I don't feel that you are supporting me and my struggles through this. Danny calls her baby, and I don't think he means it as a term of endearment. I think he's just doing it as a way to kind of try and manipulate her and placate her. It's really odd. Then he says, you have to understand we are changing someone's life. That right now, they have to cater to the 20-year-old because she's a very pregnant mom. And Chrissy asks where Danny is in all of this. She says her catering skills aren't awesome, and Danny says he thinks she's doing a wonderful job. Chrissy says she can't keep doing this. He says she's stressed and worried. She says, of course she's stressed. She's ready to cut ties and it's frustrating and she doesn't deserve this or understand it. Chrissy tells Danny she told him she wanted to work on their relationship as a couple before he brought another human into their marriage and he didn't do that. He didn't listen to her. Danny says what is broken between Chrissy and him has nothing to do with Ileana, but as a married couple, they both have to be on the same page. He says if Chrissy isn't on board, that will be a real problem. He says Chrissy is asking a personality type to change their mind. And he tells her, honey, you're not easy to live with. He says he gives and she wants more. She tells him, God, you're so mean sometimes. And he says he respectfully disagrees with her. He is mean sometimes, but he isn't always that way, as if it makes it acceptable to be mean at all. Chrissy says she doesn't want to be treated the way she is being treated by Danny. She's definitely looking at options to leave. She's done. Wow. I am so happy for her. I hope that she leaves. The mask already was slipping in episode one, and now we see just how dismissive and mean and cold and ego-driven and narcissistic Danny is. He treats Chrissy as if she's beneath him, and I can't imagine what he is like completely unmasked without the cameras rolling when he's not trying to put his best foot forward. He's disgusting and ugly inside and out, and Chrissy can do so much better. Guy is a narcissist. He's completely ego-driven, and he enjoys putting Christy down to try and manipulate her and keep control. And he sees her as less than, and he treats her as less than, and I really hope she leaves with a quickness and frees herself from his toxicity. This man is sick and disgusting and ugly inside and out and gross all the way around, and he thinks he's the smartest person in the room when he probably has a very low IQ. I would choose to be homeless rather than live with scum like him. After the last scene and how he treated Chrissy, I can honestly say I feel physically ill from the bad energy dripping from this man. He gives me the worst vibes from day one. The world needs more kind-hearted souls like Chrissy. The Dannys of the world waste space. 
She wants to leave, and you can feel that her hesitation seems to be her concern for what would happen to Ileana should she leave. And I wonder if she fears how Danny would treat a vulnerable 20-year-old who knows no one and has nowhere to go if she were to leave Danny alone with her. I would love to see Christy put herself first. This is toxic. Danny is toxic. And freeing yourself of the poison he is will lighten your whole life from the inside out. Christy deserves much more. And when you have low self-worth and an abuser tries to consistently tell you you are less than, it becomes increasingly harder to see yourself and know your worth and remember who you were before all this. I think there is strength in Christy and she can find someone with an equally kind heart who can love her as she deserves. This is a marriage where Danny believes he is superior to Christy, they aren't equals, and he views her as less than, and she is there to clean his mess and, like she said, pick up the pieces of his disasters. She shouldn't waste another minute of her life. This was hard to watch. Very hard to watch. Anyways, I'll see you guys Sunday for the last episode of Sister Wives and for Before the 90 Days on 90 Day with Mary Jane Kay. Thank you all for watching and listening. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Thank you so much. Bye.